Right, my special guest uh, on the line with me. Where, where, where are you now? In which specific area are you in, Mr. Ian Stanley? I'm in California. I'm in Santa Monica. There we go. He's in Santa Monica. Um, and uh, i got to tell you, Ian Stanley, my special guest now, I've been looking forward to this for, for months. I mean, I, it, I think Ian must feel that this has been a little bit like kind of the reverse of play Misty for me because I've literally been a stalker and been on his butt. And uh, eventually, I think I just wore you down and you agreed to have a chat to me. Yeah, I was. Uh, you kept emailing, and I it finally fit into the schedule, and here we are. Now, you know, as I said earlier on in in, in my intro, um, you know, a lot of people in the online uh, world know exactly who you are, um, but uh, not so much probably outside of that arena. And yet, you've you, you're doing some pretty amazing things. So, so let's start off uh, by by the accent. You you're Australian born. I'm actually half English and half American, which means I sound Australian. I've actually never even been to Australia. Oh, good I for just you. Have this weird, weird accent. Okay, good for you. You're going to score some massive points there because, you know, Australian and Australian South Africa with the cricket and the rugby, we are not big fans. Um, exactly. So that's good. But now. Ian, Ian Stanley, uh, you know, I, I came across you uh, a good couple of months ago, and to me, you kind of burst onto the scene. But, you know, as, as with so many of these things, you're an overnight success that has taken quite a while to get this, this to, to where you are. Tell me a little bit about, uh, about who Ian, Ian Stanley actually is. That's a very good question. I think it's taken a few years to finally figure out how to answer that question with any sort of uh, clarity. Essentially, I'm a storyteller. I get paid to tell stories, whether it's through the written word, through video, um, through my businesses, whatever it is. I, I primarily at this point sell products on uh, how to help people make more money and how to start businesses online or grow existing businesses. I do consulting for a lot of eight-figure companies online. Um, I've had businesses in everywhere from, I had a water filter company where I used to do ridiculous videos drinking out of toilets with a water filter. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't uh, going to bring that up, but uh, now that you mention it, yes, that is still around on, on, uh, on YouTube, you drinking out of a toilet bowl. Oh, you know what? I haven't even looked in a long time. I'm sure it is. That video, the first, the first version of that video got like 500,000 views in about two days and did a whole lot of sales for us. So I, I have no shame about it. That was, you know, sort of my foray actually into video and then ended up being the face of that company I worked with. And then I started my own water filter company, sold that to what was at the time the fastest growing startup in Canada. And then um, I've basically had a business with a therapist where we help people work through the deeper mental and emotional blocks holding them back. And uh, it, yeah, at this point, it's really, you know, I've done parodies of, Ty Lopez and Grant Cardone <laughs> and, and you know Gary Vaynerchuk somehow have made quite a bit of money off of my parody videos from people actually coming into my real business. And so at this point, I think storytelling is the easiest way to describe it. I, I also do stand-up comedy. And so I, I basically just like to share stories and people tend to either buy products or build a relationship with me from those stories and I've monetized doing exactly what I want to do. I get paid to have fun. 
And and this is one thing. And, and, and you know, I subscribe to your emails as well because, you know, I'm a good stalker like that. Um, but, but you've been talking about this, this aspect of having fun. And very often in a business, you know, it's kind of like, well, no, dude, you're not, you're not talking my language because how do you have fun? This is work. Yet you insist that you can have fun and make money. And, and as I said in the intro as well, I mean, you seem to have taken Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week quite seriously. Yeah, I mean, I think I first read his book when I was uh, probably 18 or so. And so that really shifted sort of my view of what I was going to do. I, I either thought I was going to work for the government or work for myself. I thought I was going to join special forces and, and go to war and then, join, you know, the CIA and you know, depending on which, you know, army I joined, either British or American and uh, ended up working for myself. And uh, even, yeah, I just actually created a product called the one hour work day, which is anywhere from a five to seven hour work week, whichever way you want to look at it. But the, you know, I've realized that the more fun I have, there's a direct correlation between the more fun I have and the more money I make. And I understand that that's quite unusual, but actually one of my employees was coming up with like a statement for a Facebook group that I have. And he said, here's what Ian Stanley does. And he's, he, he was the one who said this and he's like, I help you make more money in less time whilst having more fun. And I thought that that last part of the sentence was just about perfect because I think so many people have been taught their whole lives that work is not meant to be fun. And I have found not only is that not true, but the more I focus on the fun aspect, the more money people want to give me. And I don't think that not necessarily every job is going to magically turn into that. But I think that people, if they start to let go of this idea that it has to always feel like work and that you can't have fun with it, they'll start to have more Money. Now you, you say this, and again, the way that you say this, it, it's uh, you know, it, it, it flows very easily off the tongue, and, and and you do. I mean, you tell stories, and I think that's very accurate of what you do. You tell stories for a living, um, but you are a wordsmith. I mean, I would go so far as to say you're a cunning linguist, but we can't say that on radio. Um, but but you know, the way that you put words together, this is not so, is it a talent? Because I believe that you spent many hours practicing this craft of copywriting. Yeah, I would say that the way that I would put it is, I think I was born to be a good speaker to whatever degree you can be born into that. I mean, mainly through nurture, but I became a good writer. I think that speaking came easily to me, but writing, you know, was not necessarily an easy thing. In fact, in college, that I quit taking any writing classes because my salt, my freshman year of college or university, um, I ended up, I got a B in my writing class despite the fact that I took it solely because I wanted to write a paper about Batman. And so <laughs> I hated her. I hated my teacher and I hated that she had ruined writing. And I hated the writing process in school. And I think that it's one of the worst things that's taught is that in school, you're taught that a paper has to be, you know, 10 pages or 30 pages or 20 pages. They don't say how quality every word has to be. They just say it has to be this long. So what you have is you have this entire world of people who have been taught to use as many words as possible to say as little as possible. And it's an incredibly bad training ground for writers. And so after university, I, I had started doing some writing in school on my own for my own stuff. And then I, uh, I would hand copy sales letters every morning for an hour. So I would sit down and write, just write out by hand sales letters that had sold a lot of 
products. And so I really believe it was the pursuit of that practice and that process oriented goal an outcome. The outcome wasn't, I mean, I had, I had a desire. I did want to be one of the best copywriters in the world, but I knew that I was going to get there by practice and not by setting these goals of, I want to sell this much or do this much. And so I just became very obsessed with the craft of writing and over time. And then, you know, I did what most people forget to do, which is just write a lot. Best way to get good at writing is to write and to read a lot. And I used to read three to five books every week in, in college or in, in university. I, I didn't go to class very much. I would go basically on the first class, get the syllabus, show up for the midterm and the final. And the rest of the time I was either playing tennis or I was reading books. So that reading fires off all the mirror neurons. And I think that's a big part of what made me a better writer. Also, you, you, you seem to have, and, and, and this is something I want to get into a little bit as well, is, is what you, you seem to be genuine in the sense that you, I, I get the sense that the Ian Stanley that I would talk to now or that I would meet in the street or whatever is the same guy. And you're not, you're not shy to, to sort of show yourself to the world, warts and all. I mean, there's been a couple of videos with your poor mom and dad involved in them. And uh, I, I don't know, do, do your parents despair? Does your, does your dad ever say, listen, son, when are you going to get a real job? Well, I think that used to happen before I'd made any money. That was definitely a common topic. My mum would, you know, when are you going to quit? When are you going to get a real job? When are you going to do this? And I would just look at them and I'd say, never. There's no chance that failure wasn't an option uh, in the long term. I just, I couldn't be employed in a normal sense. It's not in my DNA. And so I, uh, I think I definitely have wondered for a long time. It's sort of funny now that I've written my book. You know, the Confessions of a Persuasion Hitman is the book and having that physical printed book in front of them, it was sort of like, oh, this is real. But I also send them money every month. So I think that sort of solidified to them that, uh, you know, it was pretty legit is the fact that I've started sending them money and, and if anything, starting to help take care of them as opposed to the other way around. Um, so I think that's that's played a role. And to what you're saying about the vulnerability, I, it took, you know, it took a long time to get to that point to stop posturing and to stop caring about, um, the perception of other people. And, and as a copywriter and as a writer for a lot of the times you're trying to shape other people's beliefs and create their perception through persuasion. But I've realized that the more I'm just myself and I allow people to create their perception, um, the better it tends to be anyways. But I think part of my purpose in on this earth, and I've had weird visions and experiences of this, is, is to tell the stories that other people aren't willing to tell. It doesn't make me special or important. It's just that's part of my gift is being willing to uh, to tell stories that other people are a little bit too afraid to tell. And so anytime I have something I really don't want to share, I typically share it. Well, you you do, and it and it, it certainly has had uh, an impact on me. And your your way of thinking um, has 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 fascinated me. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the book, but I also want to talk about the comedy aspect because every now and again you pop out these videos, and I think how somebody hasn't taken a contract out on you yet, I don't know. We'll talk about that and a whole bunch more. My special guest Ian Stanley, my guest on the line with me is uh, the one and only Ian Stanley. Uh, uh, 
you know, normally I introduce my guests and I've got, you know, a, a whole standard introduction thing that I do. And I try to figure out, and the only thing I can think about when it comes to you, Ian, is you don't fit into any box. Because not only do you, you you've done stuff with uh, the, the therapist you're talking about, I think his name's Brent. Yep. Um, you've done you've done some really deep sort of inner stuff and then you've done some really out there stuff recently you were on some survival kind of course thing which was almost like selection for the navy seals and uh you know you seem to be a man on a mission and what is that mission wow well that's a that's a big question i mean i'd say that i've done a lot of weird stuff i've done a lot of seemingly contradictory stuff like you know, extreme physical training and extreme emotional training around feelings. <laughs> um, I'd say, I mean, honestly, my mission at this point is to to share my stories and to try and create as big a platform as possible to do that. And it's not about me. It's not just so that I can be seen and so that I can feel important. It's because I feel like Whenever anybody's telling a story, what's happening is the people aren't listening to the story about you. They're listening to your story and reflecting everything back into their own stories from their own life. And I have this story I tell about my dog and how he was supposed to die. And it's, you know, almost nine million views on Facebook from just people sharing it. And it's, you know, there are, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people every day watching it who are, you know, making these incredibly long comments and how much it's helped them. And, and so I think for me, it's, it's kind of to bridge the gap actually between comedy and vulnerability. And, uh, I sort of have a vision of, I've never shared this. I've, I've thought about it a bit, but I haven't really said anything about it, but it's basically, I'd, I'd really like to be doing stand up shows. And then after the show ends, maybe just spending an hour on stage talking about, uh, much deeper stuff and, you know, using comedy as a tool to, to talk about stuff that really, matters and also I, I think i've come around you know i thought i was going to kill people for a living i thought i was going to kill terrorists <laughs> and all that. so i thought that's how i was going to change the world and i thought oh well comedy's not that valuable because you know you're not saving lives but over time i've realized that that's really not the case and that comedy has a lot more power than uh than i ever realized it did and so i think you know it's really to i also i love making videos it's one of my favorite things in the whole world so it's really just to put myself out there and, and share in a way that hopefully impacts other people and where I get to do what I want to do and from time to time make myself very uncomfortable and other times have a lot of fun. This is it's one of the things I find fascinating and it's one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you because in South Africa we've been through some 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 seriously troubled and turbulent times and you know there's still a lot of uncertainty and you know people still refer to us as as the dark continent etc cetera, etc cetera. but I, I I wanted to speak to you because you seem to to be a boy an average boy that you know mom and dad family that and and you've managed to make good and these are the kind of stories and i'm a big fan of stories that i want my listeners and south africans to hear that it is possible to to live your dream and i mean you you play primarily in in the online space as well and that is a space full of shocks i mean people will happily take your money and and give you absolutely nothing in return yeah, very common in that space. I think that's what, you know, even we've been running ads the past week and a half to my to my book. And uh, people, you know, you get, it's actually, I'd say it's about 90% positive comments 
and then you know 10 percent are just people who are commenting negatively and and the reality is and this is something thankfully i've learned through all the you know deeper emotional work and therapy and stuff like that is it's just there's nothing to do with me it's this other person's their own triggering and their own reality that's not matching up to mine and typically it's just somebody who's pissed off in that moment and because of that they've decided to take it out on me and it's not a reflection of me so i don't get bothered by it and i, I like to actually respond and have fun with it and try and you know either make make light of it or sometimes just say you know hey i understand you're obviously going through something very rough and i hope it gets better uh, yeah. and that really disarms people but i think in a world full of sharks it's been interesting because I also see these ads, uh, these these negative comments, and then I'll see people who've bought my products come in and comment and reply to the people who've made bad comments to defend me. And there was this long one about, oh, this guy seems like a fake or whatever. And, and this guy said, uh, if you actually know Ian or follow any of his stuff, he's probably the most genuine person I've ever met. And you have, you know, you don't know what you're talking about and blah, blah, blah. And so it's it's been really interesting because I think the online world that's and that's what I started out making my videos for was just for fun, but also to kind of call out some of the falseness in the market and, and just poke fun at that instead of getting angry. And that's the thing. I think so many people get angry about things that they can't change. And so for me, I just see how can I make light of it and sort of have fun with it. And uh, and sometimes that has a bigger effect anyways. Well, I mean, most recently I, I saw a video that uh, that you posted that you'd made from your roof, um, and uh, you have a character which you call Lie Topes, um, which is a ripoff of, of somebody who's very well known. I mean, the, the man's just about all over Facebook. I think he probably pays most of their salaries, uh, and you always see, um, you know, this guy, and he's and he's giving you videos from his his, his sort of garage with his fifteen sports cars, and you spoof that kind of thing. Have you had blowback from those guys? No, I actually ended up speaking on stage with Ty, uh, <laughs> where I did an impression of him on stage. And no, I just really like it's not it's not been an issue. They've all seen the videos. Yeah. Um, some of them are friends of mine now. Where there's like Ryan Stuman is a sales guy, and I've done crying Stuman. And so I basically just take you know he's known as the hardcore closer. So I did a video of the hardcore opener, and I'm just banging on a person's door, you know, to get in and, and try to sell them on stuff. And, um, you know, it ultimately actually serves all of their brands. And it doesn't mean that I don't respect them. Like, I think even for people like, whether it's, you know, Donald Trump or Ty Lopez or Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone, like people, you may not agree with them, but I do, I do respect them. I'm just, I'm not the grind and hustle guy. I'm not the, uh, you know, work 12 hours a day and, you know, forget about your family. Let's just make that that money and all that. So I like to poke fun at that. And what it what it ends up doing, what's been sort of a really cool byproduct that I didn't expect. And and people used to ask me, and they still ask me, why do you do you know why do you do these videos? What's the point of these these silly parody videos? And I say, well, it's it's fun. That's it. That was my primary goal. Is in those three minutes or four minutes that I'm recording a video it's incredibly fun for me and nobody can ever take that away from me. So whether anybody watches it or not, I've just had a an experience of flow and that's enough for me. It just so happens that people really like the videos and they like to share them and watch them. And um, But what happened is the people that shared my point of view reached out to me. And some of them are very high level marketers and people and they basically, you know, they realize, oh, this guy, this guy doesn't like the grind or the hustle or all that. 
like, oh, we're, we're similar, you know? And so it ends up actually bringing in the type of people that will like your stuff anyway and resonate with you. And it's a very weird way to do that, but that's something that I've, I've done. Let's, let's move on a little bit and talk. And you mentioned this is where you started to make money was, was in the online world. And, and in South Africa, I've spoken to countless people and, and I'm one of those people. I've spent hundreds and hundreds. And if I say thousands, I probably wouldn't be far off of dollars on all of these latest shiny objects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, wanting to get onto this, this massive potential that people keep telling me about called online and online businesses. You're a straight shooter. Is there a future in that online businesses? Are they a thing? Can anybody do it? Yeah, I, I actually really do think that anyone can. I just think that for the most part, the way that people are being taught is what's wrong is they're basically trying to capitalize on trends and loopholes and tactics and techniques and, oh, this is the best traffic source and this is the best way to do it in this way. And it's all sort of flash in the pan business opportunities as opposed to um, more of like actual real business building. And so I think that the reality is, is have you ever read the article, A Thousand True Fans? I haven't. So there's basically, there's a concept called a thousand true fans and it's, it was actually originally developed for artists and it's, if you have a thousand true fans, these are your real true fans who love you, who buy every product, you know, every shirt, every album, everything that comes out, if you have a thousand of them and they only pay you, you know, a hundred dollars a year, it's a hundred thousand dollars and a year, which is, you know, a nice six figure income. And so what I teach is basically I have this program now called the one hour workday. And I developed it because I wanted to help people that were beginners actually create something real. And it's the concept is simple is you want to develop an audience of people in a very small niche that are very interested in something and you just become their trusted advisor. It doesn't matter whether it's internet, whether it's a radio, whether it's TV, people want to trust someone to tell them what to buy. People want to be led. And so if you can be, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be, you know, the best in the world at anything. You can literally just be trusted. And so the way I view it is the biggest currency that I, that I value is trust. And that's how I've built my email list over the past few years. And, and I've never stepped over that trust in order to make a buck. And because of that, I continue to make money from these people month after month, year after year. And I feel that if you can become a trusted advisor in a small space, you can make a very good living. And I, I mean, I know it's true. I've done it. And then I've seen, you know, I've helped countless other people do the same thing. I think it just comes down to picking the right space and the right people to serve. And then basically sending them emails or posting on Facebook in a place where they hang out uh, or using Instagram or whatever the medium is. The concept is simple. Be a trusted advisor for a group of people, preferably a smaller group that are highly interested in a topic. You see, and, and right there, I would, I would hazard a guess and say that is probably some of the best advice that, that any of us have heard that have wanted to get into the online space is that become a trusted advisor. It is Mix 93.8, some legendary radio, my special guest, Ian Stanley. Uh, when we come back, Ian, let's talk about your book because I'm going to be honest, uh, I haven't got it. I want it badly. Um, it's called uh, Confessions of a Persuasion Hitman. We'll talk about the book and how you 
you can get hold of it when we come back. To Monday night, my guest uh, on the line with me is Ian Stanley. So, Ian, we're getting around to the book now. Um, it is called uh, Confessions of a Persuasion Hitman. Am I correct? You are correct. Okay, so tell me about the book. What brought the book on? Yeah, so it's it's Confessions of a Persuasion Hitman, The Unusual Rules I Learned from Selling Over $100 Million Worth of Products and Services. And uh, what brought it about was really that, you know, I think everybody thinks, oh, I have a book in me, I have a book in me, and, and I think everybody's just about right with that. And I wanted to write this book called Feed the Wolf, which is about a lot of the sort of personal development stuff I've learned and some of the stories about my dog and about this, you know, feeding the wolf and, and which wolf wins. But it was sort of very close to me emotionally. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to write a book that I know I can write, that I know people that won't, you know, that that isn't so intense for me to write that I procrastinate on it. So I said, I'm going to write this book. And I just started laying out all the most important stuff I'd learned in my career of selling, you know, quite a bit of stuff. And so, but within that, I, I basically, I wanted to sort of expand my audience out to just to be totally honest from just teaching copywriters to teaching salespeople in general. And what I've learned is stuff that'll benefit anybody who sells anything. It doesn't matter if you're a a car salesman, if you sell pens, or if you just want to sell your wife on letting you watch the TV shows that you enjoy. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you. I'm glad you finished that off with selling your wife on letting you watch the on TV. something. Yes, <laughs> or, or, or if it's just selling your wife. <laughs> um, yes, no, no, no. This is not for selling people. <laughs> I will make that very clear. Um, so yeah, basically just started writing out these rules to my paid membership group. I have a paid membership group called The Unit and I would write out these newsletters each month and I basically put them all together and turned them into this book and then I added some of the really the stuff that I find to be really important like, you know, one of the rules is to tell the stories that scare you the most. It's typically a shortcut to making a lot of sales and to making a lot of money is to just tell tell those emotional stories you don't really want to tell. And then I have another chapter. The final chapter is actually about the stories you tell yourself and how we've formed all of these beliefs about ourselves. And we, we sort of fall in love with these stories we tell ourselves. And so we attach ourselves to our own identity. And that identity sometimes serves us, a lot of the times doesn't. You know, people hear things like, you know, my family was poor, I'm always going to be poor. Yeah. Or, you know, sorts of different stories like that. And people become attached to them. And so I wanted to sort of mix in a lot of useful stuff that that people could use to make more money. But also, you know, I think rule number three is that time and money are not related. And so it's not specific to sales, but it's, you know, it's something that I've learned and I, I know to be true is that time and money are not related. People think, oh, well, my time's worth this much or that much or, you know, it takes this long to make this much. And that's just not true. It's just stuff that we've been conditioned to believe from society because we get paid hourly or we get paid yearly. And so people think that their time has an attachment to money, but the reality is there are people who've taken a lifetime to make a million dollars and people have made billions in in minutes. And so I try and help people sort of break that time money relationship. And ultimately, you know, I'm a writer and I hadn't written a proper book as much as I've written, I've created courses and I wanted something physical that people could hold in their hands and read again and again and it's been cool now because it's been out for about a month and there are people who've already read it two or three times and they're going through it again and again and highlighting almost every page and 
And so it's, it was partially, you know, obviously self-serving in the sense that I wanted to grow my audience and, and help get more people into my sort of sphere of influence. But I think there's a lot of books out there that especially marketers and gurus, write That are just very full of fluff and, you know, crap. That's just not very, it's not particularly useful. You may read a 200 page book and there were 20 pages that were useful. Yeah. And, and so, and, and the thing is, yeah, the, the thing is as well with a lot of these guys and a lot of these books, which is why I'm really looking forward to, to getting my hot little hands on your book, um, is, is that they'll tell you all about these wonderful things and then they, they kind of leave out the secret source bit. So as you say, there's a lot of fluff and filler, but often not a lot of substance. You're saying it's not like that with your book? No, I mean, I know it's easy for me to say that because uh, I wrote it. <laughs> of course, I'm biased. But I will say I was just in New York at a at a conference speaking and I, one, a guy came up to me and he said, he was like, hey man, I, I just guess I've read your book twice over the past three days and there is, he's like, I've highlighted almost every page, there's zero fluff. And that meant a lot to me because I don't, I don't write in a fluffy way. If you know, you, I know you've read some of my writing, it's very yeah. to the point and very straightforward. Yes. And so my goal, and my goal also is to try and help people realize that you don't need to be put into a box and you know you saw you talked about it that uh, in the beginning is it's hard to put me in a box and part of that is because i don't like it inside the box i like to be able to define my own reality and for me that was this persuasion hitman and and selling things in whatever way i decided to through whatever ethical means you know i felt comfortable with and so it's really it's really about you know it's partially about my own stories, but relating them back and, and helping people realize how much their own childhood too has shaped their beliefs about money and about themselves. And, you know, I started selling lemonade when I was 10 and I started my first business when I was 12 and I was making $50 an hour stringing tennis rackets at 12 years old. And I learned at that point, this is, you know, I, I don't have to work super hard to make a lot of money. And that belief continued to go throughout my life and most people have been taught the opposite absolutely you know, especially if you got paid to do chores as a kid you're literally being taught that in order to make money you have to do things you don't want to do and most people are working jobs they don't want to be working in order to make money in order to continue working the job that they don't like so that they can keep paying for the things that don't actually make them happy and it's sort of a sad cycle. And so I hope to be able to break that cycle and at least some of the people who read the book and decide to take action on the stuff that they learn. Yeah, well, I've got to say, and, and, and this, this whole belief system, I'm glad you addressed that. I, I mean, I've been chatting to some people. I'm, I'm going to be doing a, a short uh, online course about how to use your voice um, more effectively to sell. I've gotten all the experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet... I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And this morning I was out walking my dogs. Uh, I've, I've got five. Uh, you've only got the one yeah. to contend with. I've got, I've got five that I have to contend with. Uh, but so fortunately I have a very big small holding, so there's lots of place uh, for us to walk. And it suddenly hit me that uh, the reason I haven't actually put this product out yet is, is not because it's not ready. It's because I'm, I've got a weird kind of it's it's like a fear of success and a fear of failure all wrapped up into one and it's one of those but what happens if people don't like it and i thought to myself where the hell did this come from but it's a real thing 
It's absolutely real. And, and anybody can, and this is where a lot of the gurus and stuff fail, in my opinion, is they go, well, we'll just put it out there. You know, stop worrying about that. It doesn't matter what other people think. And while that may be true, it doesn't, it does, they're basically just invalidating your emotions and your experience. And the reality is there was stuff you learned as a kid that's still affecting you that makes it hard to feel comfortable sharing. And so, yeah. you know, what it comes down to a lot of the times is actually a sense of worth. And most people will find that right when they're on the edge of success of getting all the things they ever wanted, that's when they tend to screw things up. And I had that pattern for most of my life. It'd be like right at that point where things are going really well, yeah. you know, especially in say a relationship or something in business, I haven't had it as much, but I would mess something up. You know, I would do something stupid or I would pull away. I would start to protect myself, make sure it couldn't work. And so a lot of it is actually, you know, it tends to be, um, perfectionism plays yeah. a big role. Yeah. And for me, I really, you know, I've had some experiences in my life where I, I believe that the greatest gift, sorry if there's some beeping here, but the greatest gift of being human is the ability to make mistakes. You know, even if you look back towards religions and different, you know, you know, um, texts and stuff like that, what is the first thing that God allowed, you know, Adam and Eve to do? And it was to eat the apple and make a mistake. And that was what made us human. And so for me, a lot of my fear around making mistakes has been sort of shed because I understand that there are going to be people that don't like me. There's going to be people who hate me and there's going to be people who don't like my products. And I can only do my best to put that out there. But knowing that if I make a mistake, well, guess what? That's part of my purpose. That's part of the human experience. And people are trying to be perfect, but that's, you know, that's the work of God or the gods or whatever you believe in. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, but it's easier said than done to let go of that. But it, it really goes down to sometimes even just feeling unworthy. Like, who am I if I actually achieve all that success? Yeah. We're all more afraid of becoming who we really are than um, than failing. And so we create these ways to protect ourselves from being exposed and making mistakes. Indeed. Now, Ian, about this book, you have been kind enough uh, and uh, you've said to me, so we're going to do this. Um, if somebody would like the book, they can actually get the book for free. All they have to do is cover postage. Yes, that is true. So it's, yeah, it's www.persuasionhitman.com. Yeah. Um, and that'll take you to the page where you can get the book for yourself. And we do ship to South Africa. So you can get your book um, you know, sent out to you. Um, just go to persuasionhitman.com and it might be a little bit more, I think, for the shipping, but you can also get the audiobook immediately. Yeah. So you can go there and you'll get the audiobook right away so you don't have to wait. My, uh, I don't know how you... Some people really like my voice. I think I'm a little nasally today. Your but, dulcet uh, tones. No, let me tell I you. my gladiator voice <laughs> during the book, so it's a little deeper and a little more enjoyable to listen to. It's so like, you can get the audio book right away. <laughs> it's like I often get told, uh, my fiance often says to me, she'll, I'll do something or say something, and she'll go, no need to put your radio voice on, we're at home now. <laughs> You've got a great radio voice. <laughs> so, yep, that's what I said to you. A face for radio, a voice for print media. <laughs> I, I disagree. I disagree, <laughs> but you're allowed to have that opinion. Okay, so uh, it's uh, persuasionhitman.com. Yeah, and you may have to put the www dot just because sometimes, especially if you're in a different country, sometimes the, uh, the site won't show up yeah. properly. But it's uh, www.persuasionhitman.com. 
you can get the book there. If you go to Instagram, it's at Becoming Ian Stanley, and you can follow my stuff there and my videos. And I've been posting more parodies and and some serious videos as well. Uh, and that's where I'm sort of the most active now on on social media, at least. Okay. So you can follow the stories and and go and, and do stuff there if you'd like as well. I must tell you, one of the things that that uh, first attracted me to uh, to your 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 writing your styles, despite the openness, is um, your email address was uh, Ian at Feed the Wolf. Now, I know the story of the wolf and the two wolves. In fact, I have a tattoo of that on my, on my right shoulder, which is my reminder uh, of which wolf I need to feed because I'm very, very yeah. good at feeding the dark one. Very good at that. Um, yeah, so, so I know. I've got, the tattoo on, I've got it tattooed on my forearm, on yeah. my left forearm. Feed the wolf right there, so I see it every day. Yeah, remind you to 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 uh, feed the good one, hey, because uh, that's the yeah, one that wins. That's the one that wins, and I uh, well, the one that wins is the one you feed. So whether you feed the good one or not, <laughs> you know he may not win, and that's sort of a big part of it. And so I, I did. I bought the domain name feedthewolf.com, dot com, um, which probably just set up a redirect so that it goes to the book for now. But I'm actually in the process of writing that book as well, the Feed the Wolf book, which is more of a book good. about. You know, yourself and self-development and that type of stuff. Good. So we have an excuse for another interview. Yeah, there we go. I'd be happy to do it again. Wonderful Maybe stuff. I'll have a bit of a following in South Africa nowadays. Who knows? You know? Well, let's I'll let's keep our fingers crossed. Characters. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Ian Stanley, thank you so much, mate. Uh, I know you don't normally do things like this and uh, taking the time out of your day. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the chat. Again, uh, if you want to uh, get hold of that book, uh, Ian's uh, agreed to give it out to us absolutely free of charge. You just have to pay for the shipping. So it's going to cost you, I don't know, I'm guessing in the region of five ten dollars maybe a bit more but uh, yeah it's about it's about that yeah so i'm going to be i'm going to be cheeky and send in a personal mail after this and say but i want mine autographed and and be a typical fanboy i'll send you one just give me your address and i'll i'll sign one and, and send it to you you are a rock star before i let you go one final question are we going to be seeing more episodes of entrepreneurs in cars getting beverages Yes, entrepreneurs in vehicles getting beverages. I actually just recorded a new episode on a private jet. So uh, ah. that one should be coming out in about uh, maybe two weeks. And then actually I have a, I have a new one coming out this week. Um, one of the co-founders of the Dollar Beard Club. And so that's on YouTube at Ian Stanley. There's uh, Entrepreneurs in Vehicles Getting Beverages, which is my own little take on comedians and cars getting coffee. I'm sure Jerry so, Seinfeld is flattered. I hope he sees it and invites me on his show. <laughs> uh, some, you see now already some of the listeners going, thank you, great show. Uh, Ian's great to chat to. And then somebody says, why is the audio book not on Google Books? Um, you made a statement about that. And then I've been threatening to let you go for the last five minutes now. You actually made a statement. You said you don't care if your book becomes a Google, be- a, a, a Amazon bestseller no, or not. Please. So my whole, actually, one of the big angles I take with my ads is that this book is not a bestseller. I don't care about being on some bestseller list. I care about teaching people how to become the bestseller that they can be. And that's what interests me. And and I get to control the book. I get to make any of the proceeds from my book. And I get to help my customers make more money down the road. So uh, we are actually putting the book onto Audible. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, we will be putting it there, and then we may put it on Amazon at, at some point reasonably soon. But for now, it's just through uh, through my site, and that's because I want to control my own media and and be able to to sell things in the way that I want, at least for now. So you know, maybe relatively soon it'll be available there. But we do have the audio version that'll be going up on Audible. But if you actually um, if you get it through the site right now. We'll actually uh, be sending out, I think, and I'm quite sure about this, is that once it's on Audible, we'll be able to send you a credit to download it there for free because you'll be able to, because you've paid for it through the um, through my site. Jens Danny, thank you so much for having a chat to us. Uh, we wish you all the best and uh, enjoy the walk with the dog later on today. Cheers, I will. Thanks, mate. Right. Cheers, bye-bye. Thanks, mate. There we go. What a man to speak to. Hey? We didn't get to it, but you mentioned there um, he's, he's helped companies sell over $100 million. You heard right, $100 million worth of, of product. And uh, he's also, um, and he doesn't really talk about that, but I, I saw a post where he, he regularly makes, you know, about 50000 US a month working an hour or two a day. I think he's got it sorted out. Living in California, I think he's okay. Uh, go and check it out. Get the book. Uh, wonderful guy. And one of those few people I've come across, uh, at least in the world of the internet, uh, that is actually genuine and uh, has some integrity. I'm up and out of here. I'll catch you again next Monday.